Welcome to the Warning Track Power Hour. I'm Andrew Scaff. He's Mike Worman. On today's episode, we'll finish our 2023 NFL preview ahead of the start of the 2023 season, which is going to happen here in about 40 hours from when we're recording this episode. Uh, Day of, if you're watching it right as it's released. Uh, We'll also talk about the odd Royals season and another balk-off victory uh, today. And uh, formula. But we'll we'll uh, start today's episode with uh, some college football news after the first week of the season. Uh, some interesting stories from the first week. Uh, Mike, what do you think was the most interesting of this set of college football news from this last week? Uh, Colorado's victory uh, over national title contender TCU from last season. Uh, Deion Sanders is the as the coach, new coach there. Uh, some kind of big SEC schools, SEC and ACC schools, I guess, dropping games like LSU, Clemson, uh, both took losses. Uh, or um, maybe that the pollsters may have gotten the seedings fairly right. I think twenty one of the seeds one of the top twenty five actually won their games. Uh, or, or is it something else like the continuing decimation of the of the uh, Pac-12? What, what did you find most interesting from this last? Yeah, week? I think the realignment was interesting, and that kind of, because the ACC added more teams that are nowhere near the AC, uh, the Atlantic Coast. They that added when the PC. Yeah, we have when we have tech, we a team from Texas, SM. Originally was part of the old Southwest Conference, and but it was TCU that ended up getting invited to the Big Twelve and not SMU. Mm. Uh, and then also uh, Cal, uh, Berkeley, and Stanford both joined the ACC. So the ACC, I think, added so they added three teams. I think they were up to eighteen or seven, maybe seventeen, if you uh, don't include Notre Dame, uh, which mm. so. Uh, I think ACC was also, there were rumors that maybe Clemson and Florida State were going to possibly leave and maybe seek to join the SEC or even Big 12 or uh, probably not Big 10, I would guess academically. They don't really fit that well, but who knows. Um, so you but, think they're just hedging just to add enough so that if they lose some, uh, they won't be down? Yeah. And But these other teams they, that added, yeah, these other teams that um, came in, they also came in with like decreased revenue. They didn't get an equal share. And so I think Florida, but because Florida State, I think Clemson, Clemson would kind of go along with Florida State, but Florida State was really upset about the revenue sharing model. Like, you know, Wake Forest gets as much as Florida State and, and or places that don't do or, or have the, the, the clout or the pull um, as, as Florida State. But I think related to that, we have those two teams, Clemson and Florida State, both an interesting matchups over the weekend florida state you, met, you mentioned lsu lost but it was florida state who beat lsu uh pretty badly and florida state was fairly highly ranked but lsu was number four i think florida state was number eight or something mm-hmm. and well they're top top 10 teams playing each other top one 10 of, teams, yeah one of them is going to lose so yeah 45 24 um but it was, it was like it was you know is this you know maybe florida state coming back to be the old florida state that we knew as you know younger kids like i think they with well, james winston i think they won the national title like 20 
14 or something but that was kind of a blip they they like since Bobby Bowden left they've just been kind of a little like Nebraska but a little, a little more successful but still kind of Nebraska like um the kind of once great 90s team uh not as good anymore 80s and 90s but um and then also I think Clemson you know offhand who is Florida State's coach now is it Jim is it still Jimbo is it I'm not even sure I forgot um I'll look it up you can keep but keep keep pontificating. Um, yeah. Uh, Mike Norville is the coach. Oh, Mike Norville. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. He coached at Memphis. He was the Memphis coach. Okay, okay. What happened to Jimbo? He lived. He might have been two coaches ago. I don't. Remember. Yeah, he was. Um... Oh, yeah, he's Texas A&M's coach now. He's Texas A&M's coach. He was oh, at Florida State. Now he's Texas A&M. Yeah, I knew that. Anyway, um, but yeah, so the, that's so that's five years ago when he started. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Now, I don't pay attention that much to the Florida State. See, that's, yeah, that's I haven't like, followed college football yeah. as much uh, as in the years past, but now I guess I've been I've been more into the NFL lately. Maybe yeah. because the Chiefs have been really good. So, like, basically, 2018 was when the Chiefs started being really, really good. Uh, so maybe we've lost some interest in Saturday football uh, for Sunday. But um, going back, so yeah, so but Clemson lost to Duke as well uh, in the kind of bizarre game. But they got blown out on the scoreboard, 28 to seven, and it was you know Duke is not known for their football uh, ability. Uh, usually they're they're just a basketball school, and uh, but they beat Clemson, the uh, highly ranked, highly touted, very successful program. So I thought those, I think those, so I thought that ACC stuff was interesting. I know, I think, I think, I think I have an idea. Maybe what you what you found uh, the most interesting story of the college football weekend. Uh, I I thought it was the coach Deion Sanders then, like completely mm-hmm. overhauling the the uh, Buffalo. Buffalo's roster. I think he brought in something like 86 new players, uh, more or less. I mean, he's brought in to make changes, and and he certainly did. Uh, and then they, his son, ended up leading the team to a what on the way to the setting the team record for for passing yardage in a game, even so, uh, with an exciting win over TCU. That's I think they were expected to lose by three touchdowns and they didn't just cover the spread, but they won the game though, Mike, is that, that is, that isn't enough to impress you. Um, it's, I guess it is, but it was a, it was a shootout game. It could have gone either way. Yeah. So like, it wasn't like a dominant win and it's the first game of the season, but I, I, I did think Colorado looked, I guess they look pretty good. And I don't, I don't know how great a coach Dion is. He's a very good recruiter, but in college football, you don't really have to be a super, Kind of X's and O's guy. You're just more mm-hmm. of a um, recruiter and motivator. Yeah. I think. And if you have the be- if you have better talent than the other team, it doesn't really matter uh, what you do. Although I think, but um, if, you, if you can pull 86 players from other places, yeah, I thought there were only like 85 scholarships that are allowed. So they got more. So more like players than scholarships, even. And they so I guess some of them are walk-ons, but like. Maybe we're not how many stayed, but like that seems like it, you know, the, the, people transfer a lot more than they used to. But see, yeah. I, I, I find it a little bit unseemly when 
uh, you is there's still this idea that they are quote student athletes and if you kind of force somebody who's already on the football team to like not only not maybe be benched for somebody new but also com- kick them completely off the team yeah i don't i don't, I don't really like that so i i, 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 don't, don't, I don't know if you like like kick them off or you just encourage everyone to enter the transfer portal and find another place it could have been yeah different. i think it was Still. i think he tried to revoke scholarships uh well that's kind of shady but but and that's and that's why i i'm i'm I was I Dion was a very good player. I was I I was never a huge Dion fan, however, but he was um, another two another two-way guy though. He played baseball and football. And football. Yeah, he was not I would say he was neither when 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 healthy, he was neither as good at baseball or at football than Bo Jackson. Yeah. But Even he did Dion was like a that's gonna be impressive then that he actually was able to do it though. Yeah, that's got yeah, but that's good. It's like, yeah, he was a decent baseball player but he was a really good football player no. i think um but i think bo jackson was uniquely kind of out of this world uh on at both uh, at both and yeah so that's what i i, I know Dion was a great great returner and great corner but I, I don't i don't he was he was more of a talker and uh-huh. that's partly why he was um so prominent and like Jackson, like you know, he had the Bonos commercials, but he like he he, he he you know he never said anything at all, self in a sort of self promotional way. Really, he was very quiet and understated. Um, as you know, he was, and so I think I don't know Dion became more uh, known, even though he was a great player. But he, I don't know, if he was any better than you know Charles Woodson or somebody like like that as a cornerback or rod woodson or or i don't know we could should we look should we look at the uh the nfl hall of fame uh monitor oh yeah for Deion sanders i have no clue where this is gonna fall okay we might be completely wrong i'm gonna guess I'm gonna, not super high. i don't know i'm gonna look at his baseball stats too because we can see how many war he had yeah. over his career mike uh, I mean, I can look at baseball if you want to look at football. Ooh, base, baseball. I'm looking at baseball right now because I actually entered. I was accidentally on baseball reference when I entered the name out that I was on football reference. Um, uh, Dion has a career 5.5 war player playing for from 1989, some in 1989 all the way to 2001. He never played more than 97 games. 115, 115 games in 97. 115, 115. Okay. 115 games. Okay, but but he his season was always abbreviated because he's because his football was the priority. So he would he would leave the the t- the baseball team when the football season started, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Bo, Bo Jackson had. But I don't I don't know. He didn't really have much of any playoff appearance. Yeah, Bo Jackson knows 8.3 WAR wins above replacement from 86 to 94. He played. 694 games. Dion played 570. No, 641. 641. So almost the same number of games. So I would, I, you know, and a lot of those bow ones were after he injured his hip. How many home runs did uh, Bo Jackson hit? Uh, maybe 100. 
Oh, I thought you saw it up. Yeah. Oh, 141. It was more than I thought. 141. 39 for Dion. Okay. Stolen bases. 82 for Bo. 186 for, for okay. Bo's just dropped off completely. Yeah. His injury. Um, he had 32 home runs and tr- so uh, 32 home runs and 26 stolen bases in 1989. And then 1990 was the season he started out and then got hurt, had 28 and 15 um, when he went down. So uh, and then he played for the White Sox and had three stolen bases over three seasons. No. So, uh, football. Um, yeah, again, I think longevity, especially, is going to. Uh, I guess Bo might not even have anything in the Hall of Fame monitor, but Deion Sanders played from 1989 to 2005 in football, so he had 17 seasons. And he's going to be ranked very, very highly because he was a really good player, but. Um, he played on some very notable teams once he, especially once he left Atlanta, when he played for uh, Dallas and San Francisco and won, I think, three straight Super Bowls. He is second among defensive backs in the Pro Football Hall of Fame monitor. So that's pretty good. He is behind Rod Woodson. So that's okay. The, I guess ahead of Ronnie Lott. Is he, Ed is he, he is in the Hall of Fame? Dion, yeah. 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 Oh, he's got two championships. I guess he was, he won one with the Cowboys. He wasn't on the Cowboys at the beginning. He won, he won the he won the Cowboys third in four years, and then he won he had won the San Francisco one in between, I guess. Um, and yeah, Dion just behind Rod Woodson. Okay, same number of seasons. Uh, I think is is his punt return. Uh, numbers were also good he had so terms of interceptions he had 53 interceptions in his career Mm. and that's 18 less than rod woodson 10 less than ronnie Lott, ronnie lot 11 rest less than ed reed but ed reed and lot mostly played safety and woodson played safety towards the end of his career but he does have a lot charles woodson is number Three, four, five, six. I was thinking him, Darrell Rivas, Champ Bailey, those guys. So I guess, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm under, un, underestimating Dion a little bit, maybe because I'm just turned off by his uh, flash. He's not as, yeah, I don't know. I just don't. I, I was, and because maybe I'm from Kansas City, so I like Bo Jackson. Yes, but, that's fair. And, and Bo's a, what, kind of a what might have been kind of person. No. Nah. Then also just to maybe recap that into that that um, last segment about the ACC. How many schools are left are, are left in the uh, Pac-12 now? It is two. It's the Pac-2. It's, it's Oregon State and Washington State. Yes. <laughs> Will they, do you think they're going to continue like that? Or are they going to try to bring new schools in? What, what do you do if you're the Pac-12? What do you do? Just ra- Just fold it up or what? What do you think? I think most likely it's probably going to be a merge with the Mountain West, the two. Just and elevate I, the Mountain West. Yeah. And I don't, uh, and I, or you might even say the Mountain West 
might call itself the peck whatever i assume they're going to want to get rid of the management of the pac-12 because that's what sort of led to this dissolution of the conference yeah because you could still call it the pac-12 or pack whatever um it looks like three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven uh schools in in the mountain west um, is that including anybody that's leaving already? That's is that for this season or is that for it's the... for this season right now? So it doesn't include BYU or TCU. Okay. Or uh, um, I guess they all left a while ago, but um, but yeah, because BYU became independent about ten or twelve years ago. Um, yeah, I'd forgotten about that even so. Independent in football, it was in the West Coast Conference in basketball with yeah. Gonzaga, and mm-hmm. uh, and the, I think it was basically because the West Coast Conference, all of their teams, it's a, it's a basketball only conference basically, but all of the teams are religious schools. So Gonzaga's Catholic. Uh, there's um, um, like what the Big East was. Yeah, it's like the Western Big East, and Big East still is mostly yeah uh, mostly Catholic. Butler, yeah, <laughs> what did you say? Re became maybe because it used to be yeah re became yeah. yeah UConn uh, was always in it Syracuse was originally in it. they weren't they weren't those are those are both public schools mm. but um but yeah when they expanded you know they got Creighton and Dayton both Catholic both mm-hmm. right institutions DePaul joined um, Butler I think is Presbyterian maybe but. Lutheran, maybe it's 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 not. Um, I can look it up, uh, but it's not. It's like the one non-Catholic because uh, when Xavier was added, that's obviously obviously uh, Jesuit school Catholic. But uh, what is it? Saint John's, I think, is there too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Saint John's, Seton, Seton Hall, Catholic, yeah. Georgetown, of course. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, the school became into. Let's see. It's it's. Uh, I think it's independent now. The but it the Butler is. Mm. It was founded by the uh, disciples of Christ Christian Church, but it was never controlled by that church. It says so. I guess it is a non-sectarian, technically institution, but Christian founded. So, but um, yeah, in the West Coast Conference, it's. Uh, it was it's Gonzaga, Loyola Marymount, uh, Catholic St. Mary's, Santa Clara, U San Diego, U San Francisco are all Catholic. Um, University of Portland also Catholic, um, and then a couple of University of Pacific is Methodist, and Pepperdine is Church of Christ, Churches of Christ mm. or Church of Christ, which is a little uh, different, but um, anyway. It's something. It's something. Yeah, yeah. It's in Malibu. It's got a very pretty campus. So they have a, and they have a good baseball team usually. So um, anyway, that's what BYU. I guess that's why BYU sort of left the Mountain West because it was more secular. But joining the Big Twelve, I think, is just a money thing because most of those uh, institutions are also non-sectarian, other than BYU and TCU. I think they're all public. If I unless I'm forgetting somebody. Baylor, Baylor is also uh, religious. So, 
but anyway, we're, 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 we're trailing off here. Do we, do we want to transfer, since speaking of trailing off, should we uh, transfer over to the Royals, uh, who at least briefly, it seemed like this week, had the worst record of any, worst record in the uh, majors, even though they actually, by their standards, have had a pretty good week. I think they were three and three. Three and three. Three and three. So that's what yeah, so. Um, after, after tonight's victory. Yes, after Tuesday tonight's victory. victory. Yes. Tuesday night victory. Another, what they're calling a bulk off uh, win. Two out of their last 12 wins uh, that, uh, have been bulk off victories. They won an early, I think August 1st against the Mets in extra innings on a walk-off balk. Uh, and then tonight they also won on a bases loaded walk-off balk. Is yeah. this the new formula for success for Royals? It does seem to be. I don't know what else <laughs> they can really do. It's either they, they score uh, 12 or 13 runs or they uh, win with, uh, you know, just by having a runner on base and, they, and the other team makes a mistake. That's uh, yeah, it was a few of the ways to win, I guess. It was a big comeback victory for the, Ro- for the Royals this weekend. Um, they now have actually been officially eliminated from the playoffs for the last few weeks. They've been holding on to on ESPN less than 0.1% possibility. Uh, but they and the Oakland A's are both have ease next to their name. They're the only two teams in the majors who have ease next to their name. Uh, but uh, now the Royals are one full game ahead of Oakland. They are 44 and 96. Oakland is 42 and 96 as of this recording. So Very moment, yes. two wins in hand um, for the Royals. Oakland but, is in the seventh inning right now of a game. So that mm-hmm. they could be half game closer or further away. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. Oakland's 0 0, but uh, Toronto has bases loaded. Toronto has the bases loaded. So I, maybe it's going to be a Toronto win. But the Royals have been losing to Oakland when they've been playing. So are they, maybe they are the worst team <laughs> between the two. But uh, I guess things have been getting better lately for both of those teams. They're, they've improved their winning percentages. Each of them are above 300 now, where they were hovering in the 200s for much of the season. I think neither team can be the worst team ever at this point. I think they've both won their 43rd game. So uh, Oakland is 142. So okay. if well, they, they, think... they can only equal the worst record, I believe. Yeah, well, the Mets, 62 Mets. Is the most. Yeah. Uh, in a in a 162 game season. Yeah, it was the 62 Mets. This expansion year, 42 and 120, I believe. And the Detroit Tigers a couple of times kind of approached that in recent years maybe recent being the last 25 years but uh <laughs> but yeah so it seems like the royals i don't know they're, they're having a historically bad year but there's another team having a historically bad year too so maybe they don't quite having see a historically bad. worse year i guess is that yeah is that a phrase i don't know if i've ever heard that before <laughs> historically worse. bad but historically worse yeah the rockies are maybe falling and maybe even approaching historically bad as well um they are 50 and 87. So the Royals are only like uh, seven or eight games back. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, so there's, it's still, still, I guess anybody's game, but it seems like the Royals are firmly entrenched in one of the top three positions, leaving them an equal opportunity to get 
the number one overall draft pick. And maybe as we get closer to the draft next year, we can prognosticate uh, and 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 think about who they're going to get. It's it's going to it would be a more fun discussion than this year when they're like number eight, and usually it's the top one, one, two, or three that are actually uh, people know who they are coming in. But well, sometimes you get a top ten pick, and then you spend it on a guy that's not in the top ten. <laughs> or you could get uh, Bobby Wood Jr. at number two, like uh, the Royals did. Uh, very. I think he was he was ranked pretty high though. I don't think he was. He the, was. I think he was the consensus number two. Yeah. Uh, pick, that's least. like drafting equal to your status, not drafting like a team that won more games. It was Adley Rutschman, the uh, catcher for the uh, Orioles, All Star catcher for Baltimore. Yeah. Yes, but this year Rutschman has has been worth three point three wins above replacement how many has bobby witt been worth uh probably about probably pretty close 4.1 so Witt has had a better season slightly higher even wow the so wit has a 5.0 career war but 4.1 of them is this season rushman has 8.5 career hmm. season. so um he's been this is his this is also his only his second season hmm. he he has played more games this year, more home runs, more RBIs, slightly lower um, on base plus slugging uh, percentage, but pretty much identical. And in terms of rate, probably about the same, but I guess maybe his defense was a little worse hmm. this year, maybe, to to see why he doesn't have as many wins above replacement, but I'm not exactly sure. Uh, he had, yeah, 1.5 worth D war, 4.3 O war. It says this last year, this year it's 3.5 and 0.2. So he's basically just been a replacement level defender. Um, hmm. I don't know. Again, I don't know how they do it for catchers. Is it just pitch framing? And, you know, it's, it's that's one of the, I think Sal was, uh, has been dinged kind of unfairly uh, because it's just a, you know, flaw in the system of, you know, bad calls that umpires make and who is better at either forcing an umpire into a bad call or switching them from a bad call into a good call. And I heard earlier this season that one of the changes that the, that the team had made was like asking the the catchers to just be physically closer to the plate slightly. And they, Mm. they said that at the, early point in the season that the like the pitch framing numbers were almost in line with league league average for the for the royals catchers who had been way below average before and so maybe this being slightly closer was enough to you know trick the umpires into getting more calls yes i don't know is that is this an is this a an, an advancement from analytics or is it an advancement from observation from like coaches and scouts? Do you think that that change? It, do- I think I think it just points out a flaw in the umpiring. I don't think it really has anything to do with the analytics. It was just they so just want to scoot closer to the plate, risk maybe being hit by a swing because that has happened or- more often this season than had happened previously. Is that they get more yeah. catcher interference calls than too? Yeah, catcher interference also maybe bat hitting you in the head or something. Uh, you know, that's not fun either. So you might lead to more injuries for 
catchers. But if it leads to more wins, I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe also. Uh, I guess this year it's been a lot more for me. You know, in the uh, behind the plate, Salvi has been catching some, but he's been first base DH a lot, uh, especially as they move Melendez to left field to continue that experiment. Are you? We were both confused about the lineup tonight because um, Eduardo Olivares, uh, Olivares, um, he is normally a left fielder. But just to say real quick, it's it's more uncommon for us to be not confused by Ronald's <laughs> lineup. <laughs> is that is that the Edward, way? Edward, yeah, I guess he's Edward Olivares. Yeah, he is not an Edwardo. I'm sorry, yeah. Edward. Even though he's Venezuelan, he was an Edward uh, and not an Eduardo. Um, yes. I, I I knew they called him Ed, Edward, but I thought maybe it was they were shortening it. But no, it's, it actually is Edward. Yes. Edward. Because American names are cool in certain parts of uh, South America and other places. Yeah. And like, um, I guess we might, yeah, anyway. Edward Olivares, he is a he is normally a left fielder or outfielder, and he was DH tonight. He is not as good a hitter, at least theoretically, as Melendez. Uh, but Melendez is in left field, and Melendez theoretically and actually is a much worse fielder than Olivares, and much worse. Why, you know, why put? I guess are they still just trying to think that he is going to be a decent fielder, or? Or they just don't want to maybe make him a, a full-time DH at this young stage of his career. I don't know. I think this is a wasted year in development for him and other players on the team because they've used him in the outfield instead of just sending him to triple A to work on hitting maybe while he's also working on outfield. Because this is, a, this is an experiment that we didn't need to watch. Yeah, like what Alex Gordon did yeah. when he was switching from third base to left field. Yeah. He went to Omaha famously and became a kind of otherworldly uh, left fielder. He was a decent um, third baseman defensively, but he was became fantastic. You know, multiple multiple. And oh, but you froze. I think you're frozen. Yeah. Are you back? I'm back. I don't know. Are you back? Uh, yeah. Frozen me too. Yeah. Yeah. This is my internet connection stable now. But uh, Alex but, Gordon, multiple time Golden Glove. Golden Glove voter. Yeah. We can, yes. we can, we can, yeah. you, you want to edit that part or yeah, it's do fine. something. Yeah. I don't think we really miss it. <laughs> it's, it this way you get to really see how the sausage is made if you're yes. uh, listening or watching uh, the warning track power. One of the things that just happens with, uh, you know, this kind of technology being in two different cities. Sometimes that happens, right? Yeah, I I, I blame uh, society. Yes, uh, but also <laughs> laud society for allowing this to be possible. Uh, I guess so. They've, it's it's it like this is a small kind of upgrade. Like in most of our other life, I think things are worse because we're working. This is just another way to tie us to being at work wherever we are like a cell phone or something like that, which it does, I guess, aid in communication, but it also leads to more kind of personal isolation and like petty jealousy of people online and 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 uh, political polarization and all these things. I think uh, when 
you give the every man a voice. That's not always a good thing. Theoretically, maybe it is, but in uh, so that's what we're saying here is that we shouldn't be giving the every man the voice. So why are we doing the show? We're the every. Yeah. We're not the every man. Are we the? Well, I think I think we know better than everybody else, and that's what we're trying to say. Uh, <laughs> at least that's what I try to say. If I did whatever I wanted, I think things would be a lot better. Uh, most people probably think that way too, but uh, maybe it would be better if one person, any person, any one person was in charge than a collective, uh, you know, mm. maybe, maybe on it. I don't know. Not, maybe not if any one person we, we've had, we've had that problem in, uh, <laughs> well, politics. Is, a, is it your uh, plea for a dictatorship? And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, my plea is for the enlightened, uh, uh, despot, uh, uh, to, uh, lead us the absolute, monarchy but the enlightened absolute monarchy mm. the one that i think voltaire advocated for um over democracy because democracy is those less it's, you know it, it takes longer and you can't get stuff done but yeah but if you had like a ideal philosopher king that is that would be you know the right things would be getting done more quickly and um anyway i don't know that, that's it's i don't think the royal the royals certainly do not have an enlightened philosopher king sitting on the bench in their dugout has Matt Quattrero does he deserve to be brought back another year do you think will he be brought back another year no matter what happens I think he's probably got multiple years no matter what um I think he's been pretty terrible but like I mean just in how the lineups are set the usage of the bullpen it's the same nonsense as we saw with the previous two managers who were both terrible at doing those two things it's, also maybe just something in the water at uh Kaufman's name maybe moving the stadium will mm. help because of a different environment different I don't know I don't know I mean, it seems like they're, you know, now, you know, now we're getting into September. So we're starting to see like, you know, even more call-ups than, uh, you know, maybe we can find a few other players that are worth keeping around. Like Nick Lofton seems to be. And he's had a great start. Yeah. He's played in four games, all at different positions in the field, but uh, I think he has hits in all four games. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Lofton has been. 462 that. batting average through four games. 462, yeah, he was. He is. You think he? Can, he is a lot like Nicky Lopez. Uh, maybe it's the oh. Nick. Well, since Nicky Lopez <laughs> went to Atlanta, I mean, uh, yes. Oh, yes. In, yeah. in the terms of terms of in terms of his hot start. Yes. Yes. It's, it's not quite as scorching as Nicky Lopez's start, but yes. Yeah. I don't think it's is he. Um, Lofton, yeah, he's batting 462. He was one for three with a walk. Um, tonight, yeah. Tonight. And he... I think he was two for three in his debut. I think he's got, like, three doubles already. Yes. Pretty decent, like, in his... I think he's, what, got six hits in four games? I think. Yes. That's not six, six, six for 13, three walks. Yeah, he's batting 462. His on-base percentage is 563. Not his bad. is 692. He's been a 1.255 OPS. He's already been worth 0.3 war in four games. Four games. So that would translate to like a 15 or 12 war season if he played every game. And I think if he batted that high, he'd have to be much higher than just... Um, 
12.3, the higher than 12 or 15. If somebody batted 462 yeah. and had a 12.55, like, and they weren't like Barry Bonds in the field, they, they would probably be, I don't know. Bonds had OPSs like that high. But um, I, it was funny as I just looked. I was just looking at Bond's OPSs the other the other day, or his um on just his on base percentages. Yeah, it was one season that he led the league with like a four ten on base percentage, and then it was like ten years later he led the league with like a six oh seven on base percentage. Six oh nine. It was six oh nine in two thousand four. Six oh nine. I said six. Batted three sixty two with a six oh nine on base percentage. Yeah. 812 slugging for a 1.422 OPS. His OPS plus was 263 that year. So yeah, wasn't and, it wasn't it like 12 years earlier that he led the league was like a 410 OPS as a league leader, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, 410 on base percentage in 1991. On base, on base percentage, yeah. He also led the league in OPS at 924. Yeah. But to, uh, but just it just seems so funny that like two two different seasons from the same guy, he could be that different. Yeah. But, le- but but both he, league leaders, right? Even the next year. His on base percentage went up to 456, so then 458. He never had an on oh, in oh 1989. He had no wait, he never had an on base percentage lower than 410. The rest of his oh, he had one in 2005 where he only played 14 games, was 404 mm. uh, on base percentage. He must have been, he got hurt, I guess. But um, yeah, his OPS for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 15 out of his last 16 seasons was above 1,000. And the one season that wasn't was 0.999. Slacker. <laughs> yeah, that was his second to last season when he was 41. But then he had it. Yeah, so that's incredible. But he was, he won four, he won seven MVPs. Like he is like a big jerk and a big roid user, but everybody was, but he somehow became so much better than anybody else. Like, yeah. Like walking, I don't think is a skill that really steroids was, but people didn't want to pitch to him because he was so good. So I think people pitched around him a lot. But yeah. I don't know. I I I think having him not in the Hall of Fame is kind of silly, especially when they like are just like electing, you know, Scott Rowland types who were just like pretty good players for a while, rather than like transcendent players. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It just it it doesn't sit, yeah, that well with me. But anyway, the Royals maybe have one transcendent player. Uh, it seems like, and that's Bobby Wood Jr. We talked about him. Is um, do you think he will continue to uh, improve, or is he kind of uh, probably where he where he's going to be? I think he's still on the way up. Um, and I think it would help if they could get some more talent around him too to you know, maybe protect him a bit in the lineup would be nice or allow him to protect someone in the lineup after he gets established. A little yeah. Bit too. I think David, Garcia the lineup along. is finally solidified a little bit by having Michael Garcia kind of claim that number one spot in the lineup. And that's certainly helped. Yeah. Melendez has not made the jump that people thought Perez is still pretty good, but he's on his, the downslope of his career. Um, so it's, and he's and kind of he's kind of a wild swinger though too. Yeah. So not necessarily somebody that they're afraid to pitch to because they don't necessarily have to throw him strikes to get him out. Though you know you know what I mean. 
Yeah. So, you know, having a, a, another solid guy like Bobby Witt behind Bobby Witt would be probably best for the team. And there are a couple of guys that, that, that they'd picked up, I think, along the way that have shown, looked um, promising. This Nelson Velasquez has had shown really good power in his first mm-hmm. couple of weeks here with the Royals. I think he's got seven or eight home runs now with KC. Yeah, he's been great. And, um, you know, on, on the mound, Cole Reagans has been oh, okay. fantastic, though, too. So, I mean, it seems like things are – like there are players that look like you would be willing to build a franchise around. I don't know how much the Royals, you know, recognize this though too, you know, uh, that's where it gets challenging because the the team has not shown an ability to recognize talent even after they've been shown it. Yeah. I guess with Reagan's like, it's hard to, you can't really, well, it seems like the Royal, maybe the Royals actually turned his potential talent into actual results. Could just be a blip too, but he has a 21 inning scoreless, streak which is the longest in the majors he was pitcher of the month for the american league you know that's pretty good especially for a team like for being on a team like the royals where they mm-hmm. provide basically zero run support usually and um and and yeah Gar- and uh velasquez has been kind of a again it's, it's, it's a small sample size but it's somewhat of a revelation his batting average is pretty low but his slugging has been really good so yeah yeah, I, but he's at least a threat in the lineup, which is something that they have not really shown a whole lot of from, you know, several players for a lot of the season, at least anyway. Uh, yeah, they haven't. Yeah, we're yeah. basically just you know riding out this last month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're we're really looking forward to uh, two days from now when we're recording, or today if you're actually listening to us on the Thursday release date of our podcast or channel this is opening day and it's only opening day for the chiefs and the detroit lions because the chiefs get the prime slot on thursday because that's been the tradition over the last several years is that the reigning uh champions get the opening thursday night last uh three years ago they had the opening thursday night slot as well when they uh beat the houston texans uh led by a then not yet disgraced Deshaun Watson and they debuted a what we thought was a very exciting player uh first round draft pick out of LSU uh Clyde Edwards Elaire whose career probably peaked in that first game he was that was probably his best game as a chief that's my he he showed both like his potential but also kind of his liability I think he tried like he there were, there were like four consecutive times he tried to run in from the one yard line and, and didn't make it or something like that mm-hmm. um but it, you know, it was a big, it was a big win for the Chiefs uh, in their un, uh, unsuccessful uh, Super Bowl defense since they lost that, that year. But it was, I think that was a fun night. Do you, do you remember that game three years ago? Sort of, but not, not like in vivid detail. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, that was, it seemed, they had a kind of a, difficult year that year because of injuries and yeah. uh thanks to Mahomes. But um at least in the, I mean the, I mean the offensive line, I guess. And then Mahomes got hurt in the in the playoffs. But yeah, Clyde Edwards Elair as uh Jim Nance likes to yes. say. But he is right now it seems like the third running back or at least the backup 
running back to two kind of positions. He's probably the backup regular running back in the backup third down. Mm. Back uh, behind uh, Pacheco, it seems like he's going to play behind McKinnon, who's hasn't been hurt. Um, so, do you think uh, the running backs are going to have to be relied on more tonight with or uh, on on Thursday night without possibly uh, we don't this will this might change in a couple of days. We we don't know yet whether uh, Travis Kelsey is going to play or not. He apparently hyperextended his knee on Tuesday in practice and the and the there's questions whether or not he's going to appear. And so both he and Chris Jones, uh, who's already going to be out, he hasn't signed his contract yet. Do you think a possible Kelsey um absence will change the game plan? Uh, yeah, it's definitely going to change the game plan, but it may just be that there's going to be more passing to running backs in this game itself. Is that that seems to be the the Chiefs' biggest threat is the passing game, but more even more so when they're passing to running backs like like McKinnon, who can be really electric. Uh, yeah, with, either either being handed the ball or being thrown the ball both. So, you know, there may we may see more plays of that type or more Noah Gray, I guess, too. Probably more passing to the running backs is my my guess at least anyway as to what will happen. Yeah, you might or you maybe you'll use. Like, you know, this might be a game if, if Kelsey doesn't play or is limited. Maybe somebody like Justin Ross as a bigger wide receiver might end up uh, taking some of that Kelsey role in his first. Or at least running the routes like Kelsey would run. But, yeah. yeah. And we also don't know whether Kadarius Tony is going to play because he's was, it seems like maybe he will, but he was injured in the first day of camp and, uh, before that, before camp, he was touted really as he's going to be the number one receiver. Um, he's got, he's like Tyreek Hill in a lot of ways, uh, but he's been injury prone. So, you know, who knows? It's I, yeah, I, I think. Do you think the absence of if, so if Kelsey and Chris Jones are both absent, which is a bigger um, problem for the Chiefs? Do you think? Uh, probably Chris Jones, I would guess, just because he's like right in the center of the defense, and so much of the play happens right in front of the quarterback, the you know the the opposing quarterback. So I think he could be more of an absence felt. I think on the team. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't think yeah. Kelsey would be. Uh, it will be noticeable that he's not there, but I don't. I think the team can probably work around him more than they can work around having the center of the defense present. I would guess. Yeah, it's it's hard to say too. It's like it's one of those things where we we will really only know if both of them end up being out. We know Chris Jones is out because he hasn't he hasn't signed the contract, so he's not going to play. Yeah, at least first game. But you know, if and you know if Chelsea if Kelsey and Jones are both out. Well, you know, maybe it won't matter because the Chiefs will run up the score and score a bunch of points. Or maybe it won't matter because the defense will somehow uh, rise to the occasion because their past defense is maybe their strength. Um, and so I don't know. I, I, I guess I think that Kelsey is probably um, a bigger deal because we don't know what Mahomes is like without Kelsey because Kelsey has been remarkably healthy. Yeah with um at least since he he was injured at the very beginning of his career but he's only missed a couple of games uh in the later parts of in the last over the last few years and i think at least 
probably a majority of those were the last game of the season where it really didn't matter what the Chiefs did because they were winning their division. So I and so we don't like with Tyreek Hill, we had some stats like with what how Mahomes did without Tyreek even before he left, and they did all right. But mm-hmm. we don't have any stats without Kelsey. And I guess we have stats without Chris Jones somewhat because he's been limited a little bit and they've been okay. But I think Jones has an even bigger role on the defense now than he did a couple of years ago. So, yeah, Would you call I it relatively similar then to the uh, Jordan Pippen combination uh, from the Bulls in the 90s. Well, uh, I think Jordan is, is, is Mahomes though. So it doesn't. Maybe yeah. Is it so, is it so? If, if Mahomes doesn't have Kelsey, would that be like Jordan without Pippen? Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I don't <laughs> think so. I I think Mahomes. I think I think Kelsey might like if if there was no Mahomes in the equation. I think if you had like an app, like if Blaine Gabbert was the quarterback, um, having Kelsey there would still give the Chiefs a shot at winning, I think. But I think Blaine Gabbert without Kelsey would be worse than the Chiefs' defense without Jones. So I guess that way you're thinking you're taking away two players. But I think it's I think it's yeah. just because, you know, I think with Mahomes that changes like like I was just thinking of a league at league average quarterback, um, I would say Kelsey's more important. But I think with Mahomes there, yeah, I think maybe Jones is more important. But we don't we don't have the data for it, so that's hard to say. <laughs> it sounded like there has been some movement though on the Chris Jones contract discussions. Like some actual numbers have been made public. They don't yeah, seem that far apart from what it sounds like. Is that you think they're any closer to making getting a deal? I've heard different uh, contract numbers thrown out. Like there were ones that his um, agent put out there. Mm. Um, and there were ones that like other ones did. Uh, but yeah, I so it's still somewhat close, but it's about like, but really what it is is a two-year extension mm. rather than a three-year contract. So it's like well, we're readjusting this year. And so, like, and I think mainly it's about the next. But that's team. not a disagreement between the player, the player and the team, though, right? Is that, weren't they both? Yeah, the length. Uh, yeah, the length of the contract, I guess, is the same. Okay. Although maybe you could say maybe if the Chiefs aren't willing to give that much money, they could just add another year. And I think they're afraid of paying Chris Jones for too long. But if but if you don't pay him as much each year, maybe it's not as bad because you think, well, we can get that one more year out of him, and yeah. maybe he'll still be good that one more year. Uh, like he's, he's he's approaching age 30. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, he's 29 right now, I believe. So we're so the, the so we are paying for his age 29, age 30, and 31 seasons with um a three year. But maybe you think, well, he might be good even at age 32 or 33. But if you you know, and maybe lower lower numbers, but an additional year at mm. 32, because I think you would the idea is that well probably chris jones wouldn't command as big a contract at age 31 as he would um at age or age 32 as he would at 29 mm. so we're gonna you know so he's trying to get as much as he can now yeah so i yeah i don't I, I don't i don't think the chiefs the chiefs think that i think he's thinking he's gonna fall off a cliff so they're gonna they're, they want that short contract and i think because they want that short contract jones wants more 
money. I don't know. So I might, if I were playing like the NFL, like some sort of game, like like a video yeah. game or you know the simulation type of thing, I would maybe GM simulator or something like that. Lengthen the contract and give more money overall, but less money per year. And then that also spreads out the cap, even though you might say, well, we might not get anything in that last year, but at least you're getting on the field this year more quickly. And so do you think playing this next game without Chris Jones will help make the contract get done faster? Or do you think it may blow up for either of them, depending on how they, how the game is played? So say the chiefs defense looks great without him. What do you think the Chiefs? What do you think will happen with the roster or the uh, discussion of the contract? Will it the team be less receptive to give more money than it would if the team if the defense gets decimated? I guess the idea would be that if the Chiefs' defense plays well, maybe you would think that well the Chiefs have more leverage and they wouldn't need to give as much money to Jones and Jones would come back more quickly. Uh, because he's not going to ask for as much money since they do. Well, but that's only one game. Um, the idea is also if the defense does very terribly, the Chiefs are going to say, well, please, 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 Chris Jones, come back. We'll give you whatever you want. But again, that's just one game. And, and it seems like to me, if you haven't signed yet, I would say he's probably going to miss three or four games at least because it takes a while. Even if he signs in the next week after the Thursday night game. Yeah. Week two. He might not even play week three, uh, so we may he may not even be in in the locker room until week two anyway. You know, like yeah, depending on how the deal gets done. Yeah. If it was signed almost immediately, even if they signed it before the Thursday game, he still may not be with the team until the following week. Let alone starting to get up to speed. Yeah, you know he knows the system and things like that, but like there's. And he, he seems like he's staying in shape somewhat, but it's hard to, like, you know, it takes even players that are kind of in shape, it takes them a couple of weeks in training camp, at least, to get acclimated. So I think he would probably not be able to be at full strength week four, week five even. So that's that's a third of the season almost now that we're talking about. Um, and he had said he was willing to hold out to week eight even. Mm-hmm before so i don't yeah i'm i'm yeah see I, I think the week eight number was because that would be the difference in the contract values in how much he would sacrifice this season to get the larger deal i was think i thought it was a that he to get the money for his contract, he had to play at least half the season. So that's why I thought it was weak. Well, that well, that yeah. I mean, that probably has something to do with it. But but if he's trying to make thirty million dollars a year and he's getting twenty, but he's giving up ten to make thirty, yeah, it's gonna then it's still twenty, and then it's yeah. still, it's still <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. the same, right? So, but I think also the longer he holds out, the more likely it is that the Chiefs are not going to give him a contract. And there's no let him walk. That's that's the risk, and it is a big risk for, or that they'll trade him to somebody else and just say, well, we'll just, you know, rather than having him for eight games this year, it might help us win the Super Bowl. We would rather have a draft first round draft pick or whatever we can get for Jones. Mm-hmm. Hope that new team will the new team that he signs that he goes to is going to sign him to a Tyreek Hill type of contract and we'll get a nice haul of players. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like we did with the Hill well, and, and free up the cap space to get somebody else that's maybe out there. 
yeah, you could say, well, maybe it's Carlos Dunlap again, or Melvin Ungram again, or somebody like that, or Dominican Sue, or some some sort of you know guy walking off, um, uh, yeah, uh, off the street. Um, the, the, who was the? Um, I'm trying to think who the Ravens had a defensive tackle uh, mm. that was. Um, and then he played for the. Then he played for Pittsburgh. He was um, available. I, I can't remember. Um, Chris Wormley. Chris Wormley. That's what I was thinking of. Who uh, was a pretty good um, player for Baltimore? Uh, he could play kind of both inside and outside, mm -hmm. like uh, Jones can, but. Especially since they brought in Neil Farrell as the kind of the big defensive tackle, it seems like he's uh, been all right. So anyway, I don't know. But I think, yeah, I'm getting less optimistic about the deal getting done. And it seems like the, uh, without Kelsey and without Jones, the betting line has changed over the last day or two. Uh, at least the th the threat of being without Kelsey, and by Thursday we might, we might it might be just oh this was just overblown. Kelsey's fine, or it could mean we could see that it's well he's actually going to be out. Um, but yeah, what was what was the line earlier pre knee extension? Yeah, the line pre uh, information about uh, Kelsey uh, hurting his knee in practice was the Chiefs were favored by six and a half okay. points. And the most recent line that I saw now is five points. So it's gone down one and a half points without, um, at least with the rumor that Kelsey might be out or limited. Mm. And I would say if there, if he's a definite out, that might drop another point. Uh, but I think that's still not, I don't know. I would, if I were a betting person on the Chiefs, which, which, I'm not going to, uh, I would say I would wait for it and see how low it goes um, and and do it there because I think maybe it'll get down to four points. And I think Kansas City minus four is a very good pick um, because I think the Chiefs are significantly better than the Lions since they're at home, which usually adds three points to the spread. Um, but uh, that's, not one of, that's not one of my picks for this week. Uh, should we talk about our picks this week, or do we want to talk about other news around the NFL first before we talk about our? Um, yeah, yeah. What, what, what other news around the NFL did you find I interesting? I, I think the continuing Patriots quarterback saga is is cutting pretty... everybody, and then what they resigned to the practice they brought, squad. They've got Ooh. Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham both on practice squad. Malik Cunningham and else had actually had been taking a lot of snaps at wide receiver as well, apparently during the. Uh, preseason and then uh they brought in a new quarterback to be the backup or battle for backup or battle for starter i'm not really sure what they want uh and that is matt corral who we uh talked about earlier matt corral had been at carolina but he was the third round draft pick last year um from old miss um and he was kind of let go because they brought in Bryce Young and Andy Dalton and some new and they had you know their two quarterbacks that they wanted and I guess they didn't want to keep three 
on the roster, so they didn't keep Corral. And the and the, and the Patriots picked him up as the second quarterback on their roster. And is he? He was actually um, picked by the Panthers. That a, a pick that was a trade from the Patriots to the Panthers. So maybe maybe the uh, Patriots had looked at him and and were kind of um, you know interested in him. Instead, they drafted a fourth round draft pick that same year in Bailey Zappi. So. Or is a fifth round draft pick for Billy Zappi? I can't quite remember, but um, it's in my notes. <laughs> yeah, so they, you know, they took Bailey Zappi as a kind of backup measure. He was a fourth round pick uh, that's uh, in 2022. So I guess as a back, as a sort of safety valve, maybe if they thought they were going to take Corral, or maybe they just didn't like Corral as much, and they took maybe like, who knows? Yeah. But, and it seems odd that if you like, I don't know. It just seems odd that you have a guy in the system that's probably as good as the guy you're bringing in you think but i don't know maybe it's who knows i don't know what's going on in new england it's probably more surprising that you'd bring a guy in from outside to be the number two you know the number one backup in the case of a guy who's already shown that he's not that been that reliable at quarterback already he's been replaced a couple of times mac jones yeah I mean, why would you bring a guy from outside the system to back him up, even though you have two guys that you've already worked out for several weeks, one for at least, you know, a couple seasons that he's been under the same. Yeah, maybe maybe it's just that you want a young quarterback and you want as many young quarterbacks as possible to compete for the job. Or maybe it's that, well, we really want to make Mac Jones feel secure and that he's going to be the... But I think if you want that, you just bring in like an old, like Brian Hoyer kind of crap quarterback that is a you know is is like a longtime back like a Blaine Gabber you know you bring in like a longtime backup who's not very good but uh, a veteran that, but a veteran that yeah Chad Henney or you know that or Matt Moore that kind of quarterback who's proven that he's not a really a great starter but if he's got a great team around him he can uh, get a couple of wins for you if you need it but at least hold down the fort until the start like andy dalton that's why they brought in andy dalton to uh carolina um although maybe andy dalton still sees himself as a possible starting quarterback i think he might be a better quarterback this year than um uh uh, than than um uh chase uh yeah bryce young bryce young not chase bryce young yeah I can get his name out of my head. With the short, the pocket passer, as I call yes, him, because right. he fit in your pocket because he's tiny, like Kyler Murray, tiny, who has been, uh, who's who, also whose team has an interesting quarterback uh, dilemma because Murray, we, we don't even know if he's going to come back. It seems like the Cardinals are tanking. They they brought in either, uh, they brought in Joshua Dobbs like last week, and it seems like he's probably going to be the starter or it's going to be fifth round draft pick Clayton Toon is going to be the starter. But either way, it seems like, well, those t- players aren't going to win. They're going to tank, probably lose as many games as possible, and pick, it seems like at this part, Caleb Williams from USC to be Kyler Murray's successor. And, and, and like, is that what they want? Like, are they already spending $50 million a year, or it will be $50 million a year on Kyler Murray? Because they is, just extended his contract. Yeah. Like, is anybody going to take, like, can you get rid of him? Or, or are you just going to have a expensive, 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 just a of, mal- of a backup or are you going to cut him and like owe him just all this money and just like cripple your cap i it doesn't i don't know i guess what didn't make sense was giving murray all that money probably um when he 
I think showed that he was not, you know, maybe the answer he's, he's in, you know, he's small, so he's injury prone. He also doesn't seem to be terribly reliable as a kind of um, student of the game. Unless that game is called duty, then he is a reliable student of that game, but of NFL football. Um, I think maybe if he was playing Madden or something like that a lot, would that would 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 that have been as big of a red flag? Do you think? Do you think if he was playing video football games, do you think that uh, would be? I think, I think it's the same thing. Yeah, I don't it's know. the same thing. Yeah. It's it's time spent. I mean, most organizations want all of the people that work for them to spend all of their time working on that organization, whether or not they're contractually obligated to do so or not. So is it like you know an engineer, like a railroad engineer? spending all of his time playing railroad tycoon or something like that. Is that something that you would want or would not, I guess you would not want because it's not, uh, be, you're, playing, you're, playing, you're playing a simulated version of what you're, you're really are. Which, <laughs> like if you're an account, you play like this account, like which was kind of like, like what uh, I think people do a lot. If they, you know, I don't know if any architects or city planners play like, you know, SimCity or these other, I hope so. That's probably what that's why where they were. Well, the idea was that um, Herman Cain, uh, when he did his tax plan, um, tax Herman Herman Cain's tax plan was the nine 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 plan, and that was supposedly the tax rates that were set at nine percent on uh, Sim City as the as the default uh, setting. That's so funny. some people said he perhaps lifted it from there, but. Um, the late Herman Cain, he, he, he had a, a COVID that I think he caught at a Trump rally probably and he died. So that was um, sad. I, I, and I like Godfather's Pizza, uh, but I miss that kind of being out here. Have you, do you still eat a, have you ever eaten a, have you eaten a Godfather's lately? No, it's been years since I've been to a Godfather's. The, the one that, that I used to go to as a kid is still, I think it's still there, but the Annie, yeah, the one in a slightly different place, but there's the one on Antioch, on Antioch yeah, on road. road. Just a bit. Yeah, something like that. It's but. still there across from Old Antioch Mall. There was also that 72nd and uh, North Oak location, yep. which is no longer there. Those are the two that we went to. Like, they were kind of equal distant from our house. If you want to go over to, it's like, do we want to go up uh, Vivian and uh, over to Antioch Road or just up North Oak, a little bit farther north, but not as far yeah. east. But um, yeah. 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 Anyway, I, yeah. So I, I, I like, I like Godfather's. They had a buffet that was kind of good, and the and buffet the, was great. Yeah. And there was a lot of, um, I think they made the pizzas kind of extra saucy, uh, which um, I enjoyed. Like, yes. uh, but anyway, uh, but uh, what, <laughs> Godfather's from Godfather's Pizza um, to, I don't know how do we how do we segue this into our NFL picks? The God. So so are we? We let's see if we can become the Godfathers of prognostication and there we go uh there we go that works the, the uh betting lines um we uh, we we last year on on this program we each made three picks a week and we ended up being about 50 50 in our um a pick so technically we didn't lose money uh at least if bets all bets were equal but because of the way uh vegas works and in that they want to make money uh they <laughs> make you know you, if you bet a hundred dollars you aren't necessarily going to win 
$100. You need to bet $110 usually to win $100 on the um, NFL spreads or the over-under uh, picks. So um, so they get money even if you, you know, so even, you know, money that more than evens out, even if everybody's equal. So we you need to be about 54%, I think, correct to make a profit in. And we were not, we were slightly. We were slightly under. But we weren't, we didn't, we didn't lose everything of our fake money that we used for our fake betting. Uh, mm-hmm. But we, we didn't, we didn't come out ahead. We were even. No. Yeah. We, it's basically like, well, we, it's, it's kind of like, well, you lose money if you go to the game because you're buying the ticket and buying the hot dog or, or whatever beer, you know, you're losing, like, it's been still entertaining you, but you're, lo- you know, like right. we don't really consider that a loss. Like if you, you know, right. you pay, like I paid a hundred dollars for my Lost ticket. of entertainment. What are you willing yeah. to spend to be and, entertained? The first and this is similar, I think, to that, at least if you're not a terrible, terrible gambler, you know, it only cost us you know, 20 bucks a week, probably at most, even with the juice um, added. So, but now we have a year of experience behind us. Yes. We better be better this season than last. Is that, is that, yes. And and we're, and we're becoming a little more scientific than we were last year, even in that we will still make our three bets a week, uh, picking from this week's games, uh, either the, either through the point spread or the over under uh but we are also going to make picks that we won't reveal on on here but we might talk about uh the week after um picks on all of the games uh so we'll pick over under and uh point spread um uh picks uh against the spread against the you know uh you know against the spread picks on every game and i think also we're going to pick winners too so if this would be kind of corresponding to uh, the money line, although probably most of our winners are going to be uh, favorites, and you wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't be like a 50 50 chance, but yeah, uh, but we'll see. Like, you know, we could see, well, how well do we do on the on the just picking a winner randomly? Some newspapers and things like that just do that, and uh, that's what kind of before before gambling became a really kind of mainstream activity that wasn't just associated with uh, mobsters and other kind of yes. Uh, uh you know you know bo- underground bookies and kind of you know uh gambling kind of fiends and you know sort of unscrupulous characters low lives those sorts of people uh even though maybe there's a glamour as well to it but it, it was a little bit seedy in the minds of uh most americans maybe it's become a little less seedy in uh the public now, especially since uh, you can, you don't have to go to a smoky uh, casino or in a back alley. In a lot of uh, states, you can just make a bet on your phone or on your computer. Uh, or you know, there might be also more casinos and more because uh, there was only, uh, I think, the only casinos that you could bet on sports was in New Jersey or in Las Vegas, uh, in, in in Nevada. So. Now, now there's there's legal sports betting in Kansas, not Missouri yet, is there? Right, Kansas. So yeah, by location settings on your phone, if you are physically on the Kansas border side, you can bet on sports, even if you're a Missouri resident. So yeah, okay. Where I am, Maryland just legalized it, and they also legalized recreational uh, marijuana as well uh, in this calendar year. So it's been a good year for that sort of thing. Get it all done at the same time. Yeah. Pennsylvania had a, earlier allowed um, 
uh, sports betting. So it's been the last few years in Pennsylvania. I live near Pennsylvania, on the, near the border. And uh, Missouri now has recreational marijuana. Well, that's that's so given, given nothing. Given Missouri's kind of conservative turn, or at least maybe not conservative traditionally, but more populist kind of Republican turn, that kind of Trumpy yeah. kind of turn. That the marijuana thing is kind of interesting. Uh, it seems really strange, but yeah, so Kansas, you, you can buy your yeah. weed in Missouri, and then you have, then you can go to a Kansas parking lot to make your sports betting, though. So you, you yeah. don't have to go too far. Yeah, I guess Missouri's always been has also always been a little bit more permissive in the kind of substances because its alcohol laws are much less strict than Kansas. Yep. And so even like the high V on state line road would have its liquor department across the street in, the, in Missouri, even if the groceries were in Kansas, because I think the Kansas taxes on groceries were lower. So people would want to shop in Kansas for that, but um, they wouldn't want to buy the 3.2% yeah. beer that you could only buy. I, I think, I don't think they make three two beer anymore in Kansas. I'm not I sure. Think so. I think they allow real. I think they allow real real beer, real beer, and maybe even real wine to be sold at grocery stores. In but that high V on state line still has the liquor store on the uh, Missouri side, even today. Yeah, because you can buy hard liquor at uh, grocery stores in Missouri. A gas at most gas stations in Missouri, you can, and, and that's that's somewhat unique. Because uh, being out here in Maryland and Pennsylvania, there are a lot more stringent laws. Uh, liquor, liquor stores weren't even open on Sundays until maybe five years ago since I've been here. Yeah. And uh, I remember as a kid that they would, you know, rope off the liquor section in the Missouri grocery stores. Yeah, on Sunday it would. Yeah, yeah. That's but that was that was like thirty years ago now, probably. Right, yeah. right, right. Or more, showing how old we are. But uh, in Pennsylvania, you can buy beer at some grocery stores. I think, but mostly you have to go to a beer and wine shop or a a beer shop or a wine and liquor shop. And the wine, I think the beer stores are mostly privately run, but the wine and liquor stores are state run. And so it's this, it's, it's like Canada, I I, I kind of, they have mostly state run liquor. liquor. So I think it's the same kind of company that does it because of the price tags look or they look the same uh as the one in toronto that i went to but anyway it's a yeah anyway different world now uh <laughs> i think pennsylvania also has i think it's 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 medicinal um uh marijuana which a lot of i don't think does kansas even have that no they have nothing kansas is a tea, has been a traditionally teetotaling state that's where carry nation was from gambling now though that seems probably like that should be part of that same sort yeah, you'd of think so you'd that, think so I don't know sports. Like I guess maybe it's because they wanted to lure the teams over their side of the state line. I guess, yeah. You know, I think, and I don't, I don't know. But uh, about you and our picks for this week. Should we just finally get to our? Let's do it. I know that's what everybody's really waiting for. They're saying, "Shut up about this." Uh, uh, you know, these, these, no more teetotaling. No more teetotaling. No more. Where are you also going to find a Carrie Nation uh, reference in a uh, warning track power hour? The lady who took the hatchets and uh, smashed all the bottles and stuff like that. But she was, when she crossed the border in Missouri, she got, uh, you know, kind of thrown out and thrown in jail and stuff because uh, Missouri was the old Democratic stronghold, but it was an anti, it, it, uh, it was for the strong liquor because you could make a lot of money bootlegging 
and and things like that, even during Prohibition with Tom Tom Pendergast. But anyway, uh, let's yeah, let's get to our picks. Uh, uh, Boss Scaff, what are you? What are you? Uh, uh, what, what what's your what's your first pick of the week? Uh, so I actually I went um I think I went all favorites all road favorites today was are my are my hmm. pick. Uh, first up I have uh, Philly minus four at New England. Okay, I think yeah I I think well you have, you have the reigning NFC champs and then probably the team that's probably picked fourth to, in the AFC East with a quarterback question mark i think i don't think jones you know maybe this is where jalen hurts was also kind of a question mark going into his third season um but he kind of solidified the job and then last year he you know he's he's been you know he's been really really good and but uh jones has had some season, no, probably not injured yet and i think traditionally also um bill belichick treats early season sometimes like preseason and they try things out and they aren't always coming out on fire the easiest maybe time to beat them is early on so i think uh that could be a, a decent pick i think uh the eagles at one point were minus four and a half so the line's gone down a little bit so you can take advantage of that yeah yeah i don't um i think that's yeah i that makes sense to me i i i I'm a little worried about the, you know, because you're on the road, you know, you never know what's going to happen, but. These are week one. And, and as of last season, we also did not very well early on and we made it up as the year went on. Yeah. Week one, I think is the hardest because you have no prediction really of how that, how well the, even like the week one results don't really reflect necessarily the, the entire season. Yeah. Uh, results and I guess you could say every week doesn't do that either but I think as weeks go on you kind of know well this team what this team is like what this team is like well this you know, team has a great running game this team has a bad run defense yeah for sure we don't point. quite know that yet and so it's we, uh, we don't think we know but we don't know mm-hmm. anything really but but also we uh, the preseason we proved however that unpredictability we can do very very well at because you know at least in that small sample size with of Chiefs and overs uh, for all the games we would have won a significant amount of of money had we actually uh, had the uh, chutzpah to make these uh, uh, bets we could have uh, well, not retired but we could have maybe taken a week vacation with our <laughs> with our with our with our winnings um, yes. And that was uh, preseason, which is probably even more unpredictable than regular season, at least in theory, because, well, we know the starters and we know who's going to play and how long we are. We don't know when the, you know, it's not like they're going to bring in the backup quarterback in the, at, you know, in the second quarter or something like that. And then have the third stringers that we don't even know who they are battle it out. So we at least have, you know, at least what we think is the top team versus the top team that, uh, the, the first string was just the first string for most of the game with yeah. so but yeah eagles patriots yeah i think uh that makes uh sense to me i only uh i i i, I my three picks i ended up only picking one pick uh, uh with the spread in mind i ended up picking two over unders since you talked about your um uh, your line pick i'll i'll do mine as well you picked a road favorite I picked a slight home favorite 
in mine. Uh, and this is the Bears Packers game. Fortunately, they didn't Bears Packers. They didn't stuff it down our throats and give it to us on, um, uh, on on Monday night or Sunday night, where they assume that everybody wants to watch the Bears Packers and. Nobody wants to watch the Bears Packers because traditionally those teams play a pretty boring style of football, especially the Bears. At least the Packers had some star power and things like that, but they're mostly running games, defense. You know, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't, the quarterback play on the Bears has been woefully bad over the last 30 plus years. It's been the, the receivers have been like, there's, there's, you know, there's been a little, pop and wow i think uh from uh, those teams so it's, it's not like i don't know I, and they but they keep giving us those matchups so and they it's actually a four it is the uh one of the four o'clock uh games but there are actually two games on fox there's the Rams, seahawks and the bears packers um so it's not the only one and there are also three four o'clock games um the Eagles Patriots is one of them, Dolphins Chargers, Raiders Broncos. So it's it's not it's oh, you don't we are going to have to watch that game unless maybe certain media markets might. But I, so I'm happy about that, but I'm also uh was happy to pick the Bears there cuz uh the Bears are favored only by one point over the Packers and I think we're both on the record that we think the Packers are going to be terrible this year because we don't really believe in Jordan Love and we think the Bears are actually maybe going to be a little better because I think Justin Fields has a little bit more around him and you know maybe the defenses are kind of the same who cares you know they're not, they aren't going to score a lot of points I also thought about taking the under in Bears Packers uh but maybe I thought well you never know if if um because there are it's over under 43 you never know like you know if it's you know, if the bear like if the bears have a lot of big plays with fields, like if he makes some big running plays or a couple of splash passes, or if um, you know, love does the same. So you could, you know, it might be 28 to you know, 28 to 17 would be 45 or something, or um 24 to 20, even something I I I can see it going over 43 because 43 is pretty low, but I think it'll probably be under, but I don't I'm not as confident. Uh, but I am confident I think the bears are better than the that Packers plus they have home field advantage so I think they should have be favored probably by three or four points rather than um only one point so that, that, that I I think um unproven Jordan Love who neither neither of us I think had much faith in versus at least a dynamic kind of maybe Lamar Jackson Jr. in or Jalen Hurts Jr. in Justin Fields you like that? I like that better. So I think Bears minus one over the Packers is my first pick. Since you were betting against Aaron Rodgers' former team, <laughs> I'm going to bet against his current team. And I think I, I'm going to take uh, Buffalo minus two and a half at the Jets on Monday night. I think uh, my, my assumption is going to be that Buffalo will come out pretty sharp. Uh, and I don't know if the Jets are going to have anything. I just don't know. I just don't know. But I don't think it, they're going to be able to compete with Buffalo. Do you? Th the game is on September 11th. Do you think that will matter? You think the Jets will have like it's? It's been 22 years now since 9/11. Uh, so do you think? I do you think that's going to matter? I remember actually on the 2001 uh, season, the Chiefs missed the playoffs barely and the reason they missed it is because i think they kind of let the jets 
win because they played the Jets the week after 9-11 and everybody was up on uh everybody was like a feel-good story and like the fans were cheering for the Jets at the uh at Arrowhead and stuff like that and so yeah. it was like a hostile environment and uh the Jets pulled out a victory and uh I think the Chiefs missed the playoffs by one game that year but I'm not maybe that's just maybe that's just my memory of uh the Chiefs 2001 season but um I think that that I think uh let's see yeah oh no the, the Chiefs were six and ten in 2001 so that I, my, I was way off <laughs> they lost 27 to 7 against the Jets they were two and six coming in so maybe the uh maybe my 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 faulty memory was off <laughs> the Jets were 10 and 6 so they were a they were 6 and 3 or 5 and 3 on their way into Kansas City so um they were i guess a better team that year do you know who the Jets quarterback was in 2001 giving no i've got no no idea he play, he was an old quarterback Hmm. Almost the same age Aaron Rodgers is this year. Hmm, no, I don't know. It was Vinny Testaverde was still the. Oh, uh, he, he was still around then. Yeah. Yeah, Vinny Testaverde played until his age forty four season uh, for uh, the pa- for the Panthers in two thousand seven. So he debuted in nineteen eighty seven. Uh, he was the I think the nineteen eighty six Heisman Trophy winner from the University of Miami. And then he uh, played for Tampa Bay several years, then Cleveland a few, Cleveland slash Baltimore when uh, the team moved. And then he played for the Jets uh, for one, two, three, five, six years. And then he played a year in Dallas. I had forgotten about this Dallas year. He was 41 and he was the starting quarterback in Dallas. Then he went back to the Jets, then to New England, and then Carolina, uh, where he finished his uh, career age 40 age 44 season so um that was many test already and chad pennington the future mm. um, uh jets quarterback was um that was the last year that test was a full-time starter in new york uh pennington took over i think in 2002 and three most of the time i don't know if it was i can't remember if it was, it was because test was always getting hurt or because or pennington was always getting hurt and and, and uh test played a few games uh, in his absence, but um, he was, yeah, he was the quarterback then. Do you think, so you think that, uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers will have less success than Josh Allen um, on, on, on Monday night? In that, in that game, yes. I, I, don't, I don't think that the Jets will be yeah, together enough to be that competitive. Yeah, it takes a while sometimes to to, and and, and Aaron Rodgers. This is one of the times where he actually played a preseason game. He usually doesn't, but there hasn't been probably a lot of uh, developmental time among cohesiveness developed yet among the Jets' offense. So I, I could see, yeah, and I think Buffalo is a better team anyway. Um, and I think if there is nine eleven stuff, the Bills were also from New York. I think the the Bills will probably be if there is like um September 11th mem- a memory but it's also like the first game back for DeMar Hamlin after his uh you know life nearly life ending injury on the field so like there's like hype there too so I I I I, I, I like that pick actually but that doesn't sometimes when we both like it that means it's uh 
a bad one. <laughs> Could be. We don't know. But you don't know. Yeah. Um, How about your second pick? My second pick is an over under. It's a clash between. It's it, it's a it's a class interconference clash between uh, two teams that I predicted actually to win their divisions uh, this year. Uh, and that is the Tennessee Titans and the New Orleans Saints. You didn't, um, you didn't go to the Clash of the Titans. You didn't go straight to that. Oh yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I was. I was. I, well, I don't write these things ahead of time. I just kind of you know you know <laughs> roll out my head. But that was the obvious one. Well done, Clash of the Titans. Yes. Uh, when the you know they're marching in to New Orleans. Um, Titans versus Saints. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's not a really a sexy, attractive kind of matchup, but uh, I didn't even watch that game. I don't. I, but I think that the Titans have a, are have a good defense. I think the Saints have a pretty good defense. I think the Saints have an improved quarterback now with their car. I think also that the uh, Titans having Tannehill back will be make them much improved. And so even though they have decent defenses, I don't think. I think they have offenses that are good enough to score some points. And right now I picked the over on Titan Saints. The over was only, it was 41 was the number. So uh, I I figure even, you know, 24, 20 or something like that wouldn't be, would be pretty easy to achieve. It's in the dome. So I think it's, you know, it's not like we have Elm weather or something like that, that will, will affect the game. It's going to be in, you know, kind of, um, you know, sterile conditions, really. And yeah, I think Carr is a good quarterback. I think Tannehill is a good quarterback in the right situation. We have DeAndre Hopkins, uh, you know, but making his debut. We also, we have Derrick Henry uh, playing probably. We also have, you know, uh, we don't have, I don't think we have Alvin Kamara playing for the Saints. I think he is suspended at the beginning of the year uh, because of his uh, incident with uh, the uh, beating that guy in the bar or whatever, but uh, we do have Chris Olave and perhaps a return of Michael Thomas uh, with the Saints. So I think there's going to be some points scored. I would. I don't know who's going to win because I, it's early in the season. So, I, but I, I like I like the Titans uh, Saints over forty one. I thought so I you're going to watch that, that game. I was surprised that you were overs though. I thought you would. Uh... But you took it over. I thought you you tended to be more of an under. Person. I did. I I I did uh, last year. I took a lot of unders. But in the preseason, if the number was low, I decided just to go over because. Yeah. Over under to me, it's not the lowest uh, number out there. Uh, the lowest I believe was thirty eight and a half. Uh, and that was, we're now it's down to 38. No, there's a 38 and there's also a 39 and a half um, that they're lower, but there's a 38. That's the Cardinals commanders. And I, and both those teams are so inept. I could see them going under that, but I could also see going over easily. So I, I want to stay away from that because we well, don't know. You know. One of the teams may not score maybe at all. Yeah. But they also might both do. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, if I had to pick over, I might actually pick under on that really low number because I think both. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's like a 14 to three type of game though. Like it's just, it's yeah. just uh, they're not offensive powerhouses and one team seems to be purposely trying to lose at least on paper. Anyway. And neither team has a quarterback that is at least, well, the, 
Cardinals have kind of proved they don't have a quarterback that is probably NFL caliber starting. I think Joshua Dobbs can fill in in a pinch, but I don't think he's proven that he's like a potential, you know, regular starter. We don't really know about Sam Howell, but I tend, I don't know. So I guess there's there's still benefit of the doubt maybe with him, but I don't know. But I think, yeah, I think I would like under on that if I pick it, but I, I, I more, I think more confidently, there's also a uh, 39 and a half Panthers Falcons, which is also kind of unpredictable. I like, I, I also think that could go under because I don't think either of those quarterbacks are very good, but um, with the Titans and saints, I think we have two good quarterbacks. Mm. Uh, and so that's why I think it's over. So if it's really bad quarterbacking, I'll probably think under. Um, but here I'm doing over, like I did in the preseason when I picked the blanket overs. We'll pick the blanket. We'll put. We'll pick the over forty-one. Continue with the over trend. Yeah. How about your third pick, Doctor Scaff? Third pick uh, again was sort of picking against a team as much as it is picking for the team. I think we'll win anyway. Uh, I've got uh, Jacksonville minus five at Indy. I think both of us were pretty down on our expectations for Indianapolis this season. Yes. And I think that will probably show pretty heavily in the very first game. They probably aren't quite ready. Uh, yeah, Anthony Richardson. Early. I think maybe as the season goes on, Anthony Richardson maybe improves. But uh, the first week of the season, I think the expectations will be pretty low. And Jacksonville seemed to be on the way up most of last season, uh, even made the playoffs. Uh, so uh, I expect them to, you know, outscore Indy by a touchdown or more. Yeah, you have the debut also of Calvin Ridley in the uh, Jaguars uniform. He had uh, been suspended for the entire year last year because of his sports gambling uh Issues where he was caught gambling on NFL games. I don't know if it was NFL games or what he was what he was caught doing, but he was he was. Um, there have been a number of suspensions again this year for various teams. It seems like the Chiefs don't have any, but I think the Lions have had several players suspended uh, for mm. gambling. Uh, Jameson Williams maybe was, and like some of the other some of the bigger uh, um, at least not just you know backups. Um, I, I think I, let's see, maybe maybe Jameson Williams. He's suspended for the first six games, and he but they still have a month Amon Ross St. Brown. But Jameson Williams was picked as a first round draft pick because they thought he was really going to be their number one receiver. But without those two big targets, I think the Chiefs have a better, um, they have a good secondary. I think they can lock down one receiver uh, better. So I'm not gonna we we are, I don't know since we don't know what the line's gonna be. You know, uh, we don't know what I wouldn't make it. I think the Chiefs are going to win, but I don't, I don't, yeah, how many, but you'd probably take the Chiefs minus five, minus right five. Now. Yeah, I probably would. Would you think uh, you'd take the over under on that one? Oh, well, I don't know. I don't, maybe we shouldn't even be talking about this until you make your third pick. Maybe this is your third pick and we're spoiling it. No, it's not my third pick. My third pick is almost exactly like my second pick, uh, in that it is an interconference matchup. This is probably more of a clash of the Titans traditionally than the actual Titans Saints game. Um, these are two of the kind of sort of blue blood teams of of NFL history. Uh, the two teams that have, I think, um, uh, are top three in Super Bowl victories, and that is the uh, total Super Bowl victories. Uh, that is the 49ers 
and the Steelers. The 49ers are at Pittsburgh, I believe. And um, yes. that game is like the Titans Saints over under is 41. And that seems low to me. I, uh, and I know the, um, and I think, so I think the 49ers with Purdy, although we don't know exactly how well Purdy's going to the 49ers have a very good offense. They have, you know, McCaffrey in the backfield. They have Brandon Ayuk. They have Debo Samuel. They have George Kittle. They have a lot of weapons. And I think even if Purdy isn't on completely, I think the Titans will, I mean, the, I mean, the 49ers will score at least a decent number of points. I think the Steelers have a good defense, but I think the 49ers have a good offense. And I think the Steelers um, offense is probably better than what maybe it was last year with Kenny Pickett. And I think the 49ers defense is probably not quite as good as it maybe it has been in the last, because we have a holdout still for um, Nick Bosa. Uh, did he, did he, is he closer to signing than? We haven't heard anything about it. Yeah. In this last uh, week. Yeah, he says he's uh, just today. He's reportedly not expected to be back in the 49ers with, for the near future. They've yeah. offered him over 30 million a year, according to the report. So, wow. you know, he's probably just as important to the Niners' uh, defense as um, Chris Jones is to the Chiefs. So, I think the page, I think that I think the uh, Steelers can score some points. So I think 41 is low, especially for it's like it's in Pittsburgh, but like. It's going to be hot. It's going to be like the, you know, the worst thing is going to happen. It might rain, but like, it's not like, I don't know. I haven't looked at the weather. Uh, I, maybe I should, maybe I should really be checking uh, weather reports. Yeah. Um, but, um, oh, it's supposed to be 75 and sunny. So that's yeah, like, perfect. That's basically the yeah. indoor, a climate controlled game. Yes. And San Francisco is actually favored by two and a half. Um, I'm actually, I would actually lean towards Pittsburgh on that one uh, because I don't think I think at home going all the way to Pittsburgh to the legendary venue now known as Acrisure uh, Stadium. <laughs> Acrisure also sounds sort of like some sort of um, like drug you give to an old person or something to me. I was going to say it might be like a like an ointment. Ointment, yeah, yeah, some sort of balm. Yeah. Uh, Topical cream that's placed maybe somewhere you don't talk about on <laughs> in television, yeah. or it's something that maybe you could get. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, it's it's it's. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think I. Yeah, it's it's some sort of uh, drug. I think even though it's insurance, I don't know. I like Heinz Field. If, if Pittsburgh fans heard us talking about the name of their stadium, you think they'd be upset by this? conversation or do you think they would they would join in and and be also be amused but because they don't like the name of the stadium i think i think some would be upset that we're even saying it the others would be happy that we don't like it so i think i i don't know so it depends on the on the um kind of three-dimensional thought process of a person if they if they're if they're more uh just straight oh i hate it for sure stadium don't even talk about it that 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 person or if it's like a you know person that's some, as a brain uh, would think it's good that we're making fun. Well, of the it. stadium itself, we don't care about. We're just making fun of the name of it anyway. But... Yeah, and it's a nice stadium. We saw it. We saw it in the Dark Knight. Uh, 
Yes. Right. It, it's, it's recovered remarkably well from that those horrible mm. earthquake uh, fissures that... Uh, Bane's uh, destruction of the, of the park, yeah. Heinz Ward still had a pretty good return, even though, like... Uh, the ground was crumbling below it. <laughs> Wasn't it Heinz Ward? I think it was I think Heinz Ward. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was it was uh <laughs> <laughs> Pittsburgh aka Gotham, which was it was Chicago in the Dark Knight, and then it became Pittsburgh in Dark Knight Rises for some reason. Yeah. As if we wouldn't notice. I don't know. It was it was so weird. Like why are we switching like why don't they just you know, I guess it's more expensive to film in New York, but like yeah, Gotham is New York. It, it's that's what you know, it goes back to Washington Irving. Why are we making Chicago Gotham. Why are we making? You know, it didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Um, I guess you can film it there, but you can. I don't know. People film in Canada and make it look like New York, and you just yeah. You know, but I guess you yeah, don't a want lot of Vancouver shows. I guess you don't want it to look cheap. And Pittsburgh has become kind of a big filming destination, especially for TV shows lately. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, like a Mind Hunter was filmed in Pittsburgh, and uh, the New League of Their Own show was filmed in Pittsburgh, and. Uh, that what was that that did you watch that one on netflix the like the tape like the the the, the guy was repairing like these damaged like old videotapes archive 82 was that what it was archive 82 oh that was filmed in pittsburgh yeah, too. what was that you, yeah. was that in pittsburgh oh i didn't know that it was set in new york the first part yeah. was but then like when he went to that like isolated house that's a house in in yeah, so, that was a weird show. I, I did watch that. I watched the beginning of it, then I kind of lost interest, yeah. and it got and, weirder as it went on, though. So if yeah, you maybe to, I, if you like weird, then you should finish it. Yeah, I don't always. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it has to be a certain kind of weird, and um, that's but, it. That wasn't it. <laughs> that it wasn't my kind of weird. I guess it didn't have. It wasn't interesting enough. I thought. And there what was, was a weird sci-fi show that I know you were watching with like that monster that was like made of oh, oh, all teeth. That was um yeah, there were two there were it was like a series, it was it was kind of an anthology. Um yeah. uh, something channel channel zero. Yes, channel zero. That's it. That was it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I knew you would remember what it was. That was just Candle Cove was the first season. And that was the tooth monster thing was in that one. Yeah, though. yeah, and I saw the No End House too, where there was like this weird. To like, do you remember that one, No End House? It didn't I don't make know that I finished sense. that one. Yeah. I, I watched it. It didn't make any sense. It's like, wouldn't people know, like, or like the authorities know, like, in their town, like, oh, some weird house appeared out of nowhere, right? People are walking in and going, it's like a haunted house, but like, they don't come out. And then, like, yeah, like, there's no police presence or anything. It's, yeah, it was so stupid. Yeah. Camp Cove was kind of stupid, too. But the teeth monster was really creepy. Um, yeah. Chiclet look. And, like, it was, like, front, it was these front teeth, it seemed like, mostly, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was, like, a human, but, like, completely covered head yeah. in teeth. Yeah, that was. It was very strange. And it had, uh, what, uh, Mark Brandanowitz from, uh, <laughs> uh, from the earlier, less good seasons of, um, uh, what's the what's the show that's set in Pawnee, Indiana? Um, Parks and Rec. Parks and Recreation. Yeah, the yeah. one with uh, Leslie Nope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in the, he was in the, he was the love interest before. Um, uh. <laughs> Maybe just to finish the Pittsburgh 
San Francisco game. Oh yeah, we've, we've really gone off track. Kenny Pickett at a perfect passer rating in preseason. Will he continue to have a perfect passer rating in this game? No, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's possible. He had a 76.7 passer rating last year. Uh, but I think he'll be a decent quarterback this year. Um, and he, I think, got a lot better as the year went on. I think he only threw like two interceptions over his last eight or nine games. So it was, um, he was seven and five as a starter. But I think those earlier games, he was not, they were winning kind of in spite of him rather than um, because of just because of him. And at least towards the end, I think it was not, Maybe it wasn't because of him, but it also wasn't in spite of him. It was he was a, you know, neutral addition. But I think now he can be a positive addition to the uh, Steelers. And I think, um, you know, this doesn't help the over under, but they are having JJ Watt back, which I think might actually help them possibly cover or even win outright against the 49ers because they're always without because with you know they basically TJ Watt and Nick Bosa are probably two of the top five maybe top two, even uh, edge rushers in the league. Mm. So, um, miss you know, the 49ers missing theirs and the uh, Steelers having theirs back when he missed most of the last year, I think um, could also change things around. So yeah. I like, yeah. Anyway, this is a preview of mine. I think I like the Steelers money line and um, over 41. And then just for the record, Chiefs minus five over under 53. What would you go there? I know we're not, we neither of us have chosen this. I think we both kind of want to stay away from the Chiefs. Yeah. I make our top three picks for this time. I would pick the Chiefs spread probably either way. I'm not going to bet against them um, on opening night. The over under, though, is going to be more interesting. I, because I think if Kelsey plays, I'd take the over. If Kelsey doesn't play, I'd take the under probably. Um, because I think Kelsey is helpful to the offense and they might play a slight, but I think also it's possible to going over because I think without Chris Jones, the lions are going to be allowing more points and the chiefs are going to have to play more of a pass happy offense to keep ahead. And maybe this is one of those times where Andy Reid's not going to let his foot off the gas like he does, or not try to thread the needle at the end of the game to try to just make it so we can kick a field goal with zero seconds left and hope that we win by two points rather than scoring a touchdown, which we could otherwise and be ahead by five points with, you know, 20 seconds left rather than, you know, down by one point with two seconds left and kicking a field goal. So we went like, I, I don't like when they do that. Um, they lost the game a couple of years ago when they tried to do that with, uh, cause Clyde Edwards, Alaire fumbled against Baltimore, uh, and they were trying to play for the field goal and zero time left rather than just assuming, well, most teams are not going to score touchdowns against us in 20 seconds. Why? Or like if we're ahead by, you know, we're up by four points and there are two minutes left, why not score a touchdown goal by 11 points with a minute and a half left rather than trying to just, you know, work the clock and not really go for a first down and just kind of run it or short pass it. And then if you screw it up, well, now you're, you're only up by four with that same amount of time. I, I don't like it. Uh, I would just rather, um, again, it's not as easy as it looks, I'm sure, but I would, I, I think um, maybe without Jones, the, the, there might be just more throwing the ball with 
you know, giving the ball to Mahomes and letting him pass. And that's, you know, passing is more efficient than, than running in the NFL. It's been proven that for many, many years, even though uh, most coaches have taken a long time to realize that. Um, so it's some maybe still haven't. No. Yeah. A lot of still haven't. Yeah. I think the idea that defense and running the game wins championships and the way to, you know, beat Mahomes is to run the football, but you know, I think the way to, you know, I don't, I don't know if that really, I, I think the way to beat, beat the Chiefs is to score more points than the Chiefs. And usually you have to score a lot of points to beat the Chiefs. So um, I could see this as a running, not, not, not a terribly big running game, um, but Jameer Gibbs is playing as the first round draft pick for Detroit. And he's a kind of a running receiving kind of hybrid kind of guy, a little bit like Edward Hilaire was uh, thought to be when he came out. But I think Jameer Gibbs is a lot, it was in, had the, uh, you know, faster 40 yard dash times and things like that and he was picked much earlier in the first round than Clyde was but I still yeah I like over I would like the I guess I like the over especially if Kelsey is there mm. he's not there I would guess also the over underline might go down so maybe I'd take over anyway but at 53 I might go if, it, you if know. the over underline goes low enough you would still take yeah. it and I still might even take it now, but I I I'm I'm fifty fifty. Because I mean, this game could go very wrong though too, and maybe the Lions, who finished their season last year very strongly, maybe they come out even stronger and the Chiefs are flat. That could still go way over that. Over. Yeah, I think yeah, like you know, the Chiefs are still probably going to score twenty eight points at least, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't yeah I yeah. So I think I I like the you know. And maybe you also would say, well, the last time Jared Goff played against the uh, Mahomes and the Chiefs, that was when he played for the Rams, and that was their f- kind of f- you know epic fifty four fifty one win in um, uh, in the Los Angeles uh, Coliseum, the game that had been moved from Mexico City because of the Shakira concert damage to Estadio Azteca, and so the Chiefs had to go to Estadio Azteca the, the year. Uh, later, when they beat the when they beat the Chargers uh, on a because of a Dan Sorensen uh, interception at the end, uh, you remember that when he, when favorite we thought, <laughs> yes, my favorite. That was when Sorensen had an equal number of brilliant plays to awful plays, and then like the next year, the brilliant plays were gone, and the just the awful plays were there, and we just realized that he's too sh- he's too slow and too old and. You know, we don't want um, him around anymore. And you they know. finally made that happen for you. Yeah. They sent for him you. to New Orleans. For me. For me. Yeah. Yeah. So now Dan Sorensen's not public enemy number one of the Chiefs for me. But yeah. As I, um, yeah. So that, that was 105. So that went way over uh, whatever the number was. I think it maybe yeah. was. I think it was like 50. matter what the over under was, it wasn't that high. I think they put it like at 58 or something. And that, and that was. Low and there were actually a lot of turnovers in that game and defensive touchdowns. Like that was wasn't a game where it was just the defenses weren't doing anything, uh, but it was just a very high school. That was the year, of course, that Mahomes first started and he threw fifty touchdowns and was the MVP. And the Chiefs lost in overtime to the Patriots uh, the year before they won the Super Bowl. But that was when Goff was seen as an upper coming quarterback for the uh, for the Rams, but kind of fizzled and but it's kind of rekindled his career. At least, you know, he looks really good as an NFC quarterback. He looked as, uh, you know, 
I guess even back then as an NFC quarterback, he didn't look as good because there were more good NFC quarterbacks uh, four years ago, five years ago, because we had, um, you know, younger Aaron Rodgers. We had, you know, uh, Drew Brees is probably still there. Drew Brees was probably, yeah, I think Brees, yeah, it was Brees' last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Russell Wilson was in the NFC then and had been solid. Yeah. Eli Manning was still playing. And we didn't yeah. have Brady yet to the NFC, but there were a lot more good. I think that was really when Dak Prescott took off too early in his career. Um, yeah, Kirk, that was Kirk Cousins his first year. So yeah, it seemed like the the um, the NFC and NFC quarterbacks were not. Matt Ryan was still playing. Uh, you know, in, uh, coming off of an MVP season the year before. So uh, yeah, it was a lot. There was there was more talent. Wentz, Wentz. That was when Wentz was still regarded highly, or you had Nick Foles who uh, would. Yeah, I don't remember. Nick, was Nick Foles on the Chiefs in 2018, or was he on the Eagles in 2018? That might have been his Eagles year. We're looking it up right now. He was. He was in the Eagles. He was the Super Bowl MVP in 2017. He was still on the Eagles in yeah. 2018. 2019, he signed with Jacksonville. Yeah. So that was. Um, yeah, Foles was named the starter at the beginning of 2018, and then Wentz came in later. But uh, he's gonna. He then uh, went. Foles finished the season as well and, and played in the playoffs for the Eagles in 2018 as well, but the Eagles didn't win the Super Bowl like they did the year before. Um, but yeah, anyway, so who knows what's going to happen this week? We know what happened five years ago, but do you have anything final to add? Any other games that you're looking forward to on the schedule that you? Yeah, there were some kind of like dumpy games that, yeah, we don't really, I don't really even want to watch anyway. Usually, I mean, it usually have some interest in most games, but there were a couple that, uh, that weren't so, so much. Well, uh, you bet, you bet on one of them. I think the Jags, uh, Colts, you might say the Titans, Saints, Bears, Packers are, are not. Yeah. I think maybe Bill's Jets, maybe one of the more interesting games just because of like what, you know, has gone into the, you know, getting to this point. Yeah. Miami Chargers could be. That sounds like a game. Yeah, this is one of those weeks where you don't want to waste maybe your premium matchups on week one because everybody's going to watch week one anyway because it's opening day. So it doesn't really matter. You want to have your good matchups later, I think, in the season uh, because uh, people are people want to tune in and and you'll know which teams are good. Mm Hmm. Yeah, so early on, I was trying to pick game, teams I thought that weren't going to be very good and just pick against those guys instead of betting maybe on the teams I think are better. Yeah, I think the yeah I think Panthers Falcons is going to be terrible. It's rough. Um, Cardinals Commanders obviously terrible. Like Ravens Te- Texans. Ravens right? Texans is going to be a bloodbath for the Texans. I think most likely. Um, Vikings Bucks doesn't sound very entertaining either, though. I don't know. Like no, with Baker with Baker Mayfield and a Dalvin Cookless. Uh like I guess you have Justin Jefferson star power, but it's still kind of old Kirk Cousins. Yeah. yeah. Um 
But who yeah. knows? Maybe some of these games will actually be like you Rams. Know. Rams Seahawks might be a downer too. You don't know what the Rams are looking like, and maybe the Seahawks were a flash in the pan. Yeah. Uh, Cowboys Giants might also be bad because we don't know if like is Daniel Jones really a, a decent quarterback or is Dallas just as bad? Like, are they are they are they not really that good? Well, um, it's just trying to predict which game. Dallas is going to take some horrible injury that will, you know, end their end their season's hopes right away. That's it happens seemingly every year. But yeah, how how far into the season will it take to get to that disappointment day? Yeah, is it like yeah, is Dak going to get hurt again in week one or Ceedee Lamb or Tony Pollard? You know, they got rid of Zeke. Now they have Tony Pollard as their feature back. Is he going to get? Uh, you know, if that's some yeah, that seems to happen to Dallas early in the season. Then they'll. But yeah. now they have Trey Lance as a potential savior if something goes wrong with 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 deck no, we we hope nobody nothing nothing happens to any of these quarterbacks but we like to take every contingency possible here at the morning trick power hour but yeah i i think it'll be a good i you know it's hard to say what games will be good but it's it's just even if they're bad games it's still the nfl and football is back so i'm probably going to watch it if it's on in front of me and yeah. I'm definitely going to watch Thursday night, mm. the Chiefs, uh, Chiefs Lions, which is actually I think a, a really good game, yeah. Be- because it's it's really a measuring stick for the Lions, who have been predicted to be a kind of up and coming power in the NFC, and you also want to see where the Chiefs are, um, and everybody wants to see Patrick Mahomes, play, even if you, you know, dislike Patrick Mahomes, he's he's a, a whole he's a, he's a he's a he's the biggest star in the in the game right now, so. I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully Kelsey plays and I hope the Chiefs win. Do you have any other comments to add before we we'll be back next week with results from our massive pick uh haul that we're gonna be doing offline, uh, and the results from our our uh you know confidence picks essentially here. Yeah, we'll have the three that we give here, the special three that only our list that our listeners get extra access to. Uh, for a low, low price of zero dollars, because our entertainment here on the Warren Jack Power Hour is always free, unless we can find a way to make money off them, but then we will start charging. But uh, I, I, <laughs> uh, I don't know, I, we probably would, but because we're capitalist pigs at heart. And on that note, Yes. I am Dr. Michael Lerman. He is Dr. Andrew Scaff. We are the Warning Track Power Hour. Please like or subscribe to our podcast or our YouTube channel. It's a podcast are available on pretty much any medium you can think of. Maybe not when it's exaggerating, but the, the, ma- the major ones, you know what they are. And uh, also on, 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 on YouTube here. And, you know, uh, we wish you a uh, happy uh, opening day. Uh, we also uh, hope you're enjoying the uh, early college football season and the, and the baseball season winding up. You know, we're the Royals fans, so we have, we don't really care, but there are, I'm sure, some playoff races and things like that going on. There are 50, there, those teams are 40 wins ahead of the Royals. Uh, and uh, we can't, it's just, they're so far ahead. It's, uh, they're beyond the horizon. So it's, it's not even worth uh, trying to, uh, you know, look at through binoculars. So, but NFL starting, we uh, and every team has hope at the beginning of the season, and even teams that are bad one year can turn it around. 
um, in one year, typically in the NFL sometimes. I don't know if that's going to happen this year with anybody, but it might. Who knows? And so that's the, what the fun's about. And we'll want, we will uh, we wait with bated breath uh, this upcoming NFL season. So on those notes, those many notes, we wish you good day.